Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business and a special early thank you already to our guest who I'm going to introduce to you in just a moment for reminding me to remind all of you that it is Women's History Month. It is March. It is Women's History Month. February was Black History Month, and I'm pretty sure I neglected to mention that, but we're going to know better and do better and wish you all a fantastic Women's History Month with a fantastic woman guest today. Um, Amy Lynn Durham, thank you so much for joining us. And please share a little bit about who you are and the work you do in the world. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here because I love talking about SQ. That is what I do in the world. I help coach individuals on spiritual intelligence in the workplace. And I'm the founder of my company, Create Magic at Work. Awesome. 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 <laughs> awesome. So Kelly, I'm going to switch it up yeah. a little bit and you're going to kick it off today. Woo! Yay! Well, thank you for that. And Amy, we are so excited to have you here today because you're just talking about something that I don't, I, you'll, you can tell us, but I don't know how much we hear about this in business. So I want to get right to it for our listeners. We hear a lot about emotional intelligence in the workplace mm-hmm. and tell us about spiritual intelligence, right? Would you define that for our listeners? How is it maybe the same as emotional intelligence? How is it different? So it's definitely different from emotional intelligence or what we like to call EQ. What I like to say is you get to SQ, spiritual intelligence by way of EQ. So it's sort of the top of the pyramid. If you can envision a pyramid kind of like Maslow's hierarchy, the bottom right. of the pyramid would be PQ, physical intelligence. The next layer would be IQ. The next up from that would be EQ. And then the top would be SQ. So if you think about EQ, if you're a leader in the workplace and you have some self-awareness of your emotions, you've explored having an emotional management strategy for those emotions and you feel like you're pretty good at making connections, building bridges, (laughs) as I like to say, and that would be more like you've explored the EQ space. Then when you move into SQ, a couple of definitions I like to share is one from Cindy Wigglesworth. She is the one that developed the SQ 21 assessment. She says spiritual intelligence is the ability to maintain inner and outer peace regardless of the situation. Mm. And I right. sometimes I laugh when I share that definition because that's a tall order for us to rise uh, to that occasion, sure maintaining is. inner and outer peace regardless of the situation. Mm. And of course, it's a daily practice. 
and we're not going to get it right all the time. And that's what the 21 skills um, with the assessment help you work on. And then there's another uh, philosopher, physicist that really studied spiritual intelligence for the workplace and for leadership. Her name is Dana Zohar. And I love her work as well, but she basically defines spiritual intelligence as the ability to put your day-to-day concerns aside and operate from a bigger picture view. So the way that I like to sort of add my spin on that with everything is trying to operate from your higher self rather than your ego most of the time. So needed, so necessary. Um, So much of what you said there just resonates with us. And I know uh, Lauren, I've talked about it before, right? It's being able to be at peace, no matter what's going on inside or, or externally so crucial in business because we're trying to avoid that fear response, that amygdala who we love because it's trying to protect us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, can overstep its bounds or stay too long and then it becomes a problem. So I love what, what you're saying there and what spiritual intelligence would help us to do. Yeah, one of the one of the skills is, you know, is awareness of the ego self and the higher self. And there's a lot of research. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So let me just say, have you, you know, I'm thinking of when people are in meetings and they look peaceful on the outside, but then there's a lot of inner turmoil going on. Right. Well, that energy still resonates out through the meeting room, whether you can tell or not. It really does. Right. And there's a lot of data coming out um, regarding the energy that you portray as a leader and it has to be authentic, right? You can't fake it. You can multiply it by 10 times, whatever you're feeling, your employees or your team is gonna feel that 10 times over because you're in that power position as a leader. So if you're aggravated, if you aren't operating with integrity, imagine the ripple effect that is going to occur when you're feeling that way. And so that's why these skills are so important to work on. It's kind of like weightlifting. You're not going to get it right all the time, but as you continue to work on it, oh my gosh, the, the profound changes that can happen within yourself and with your team are extraordinary. Yeah. And I, you know, Amy, this is Laura. And I know that I was recently listening to something that reminded me of the research around energy and, you know, it's measured, right? Like this isn't, just, you know, people that like to, you know, talk about these, like somewhat, some people would call it, you know, woo or existential things, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's like energy has been measured and it goes out, you know, I think it's, I think it's six feet. Cause I remembered thinking, oh, interesting pandemic is six feet, social distancing and energy is felt six, six feet out. So, um, oh my goodness. Wow. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Like, but you know, I'm thinking about, about SQ and I love the analogy of Maslow's hierarchy. I mean, that's, that's things, that's information I reference a lot in my work. And I'm really curious when, you know, when you're working with leaders, you're talking with folks. um, So my entry point typically with leaders or with organizations is around burnout. Like, let me do Mm -hmm. some coaching with your leaders to make sure that we can, you know, help them with stress management. They don't get to burnout. What Mm -hmm. is that for you? Like, how does an organization say, yep, SQ, this is the thing that is going to support our organization? I'm so glad you are bringing this up because I have a lot of thoughts (laughs) around burnout because I've experienced it. Let's talk. (laughs) I've experienced it personally and I'm not, and I'm actually angry that, (laughs) and a little resentful that we have to talk about that and share that because I came from a system 
as a corporate executive where it was almost seen as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. as I'm sure has been talked about before. Yeah, a little bit. And it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's really just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And the system needs to change. And we, you know, we need to stop. I, I look forward to a day where we don't have to say, hey, I experienced burnout. So now I can help you through mm-hmm. it. Right. I want it to go away. And I want it to stop because it's really unhealthy. And I like to reference Ariana Huffington quite a bit. Oh, same. Same. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Yep. She, does she left her of- whole fortune behind <laughs> because she fell on her head when she burned out. Yeah, exactly. There yeah. you go. There you go. And she talks a lot about the importance of rest and sleep. And she came out with an article a couple of weeks ago. And basically, she reiterated what has been said for a couple of years from her is, if you're a leader, you need to decide if we, if you're getting paid for your judgment or for your stamina. Mm. Oh, beautiful. And that is all dialed into SQ, mm-hmm. inner work. How can I show up for my team, my people, and make sound judgment calls? Can I make compassionate and wise decisions? Can I be a calm and healing presence? Mm. Can I be a wise and effective teacher? Can I be aligned with the ebb and flow of life? Those are all in the social mastery quadrant of SQ21. And if you have an employee that is standing in front of two potential companies to work for, and one leader is bragging about staying up all night and burning out and not not taking care of themselves, mm-hmm. and the other one looks very, you know, like they've kept their oxygen mask on, if you will, who, mm-hmm. who do you want to work for? Mm-hmm. And so then on the flip side, as a leader, who do you want to attract? I went off on a tangent there, but I'm really no, passionate about that. Really, no, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate most, Amy, that you mentioned systems. And, you know, it makes mm-hmm. me think about, you know, obviously we can all as individuals do our own work and I'm a firm believer. And, and I think Kelly agrees, you know, the individual impacts the systems, right? Like the systems Mm -hmm. are made of people and people create the systems. And we also know that we have some systems in place in in the corporate world, because that's the world that Kelly and I are playing in. You know, there are systems in place that are that are not good to women. It's Women's History Month. There are systems in place that are exponentially worse for historically marginalized folks, for black and brown folks, for indigenous folks. So I'm curious what, you know, what is your SQ lens? or personal Mm -hmm. experience as, you know, a former female (laughs) executive. And now like, if you could take SQ and I promise I'm getting you a question, (laughs) if you could sort of take SQ combined with your experience, you know, how do the two integrate? How does SQ help us in being more anti-racist as an organization? And how can we use it to support women and marginalized folks in the workplace? Okay. I love all of this. So I'm going to try so much there. <laughs> try I'm to really sorry. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Cause this is really good. So I've been asked this before because, you know, I went to the Berkeley executive coaching Institute mm-hmm. and they really support these initiatives. My, my answer to this with SQ is, Oh my gosh, it's the foundation mm-hmm. of everything, every skill set because it helps you stay curious and approach situations without blame or judgment. It also helps you tell the truth in naming without blame or judgment. And the skills that you work on completely support an awareness of the interconnectedness of all of life. Mm. 
it's <laughs> they they help you create an awareness of um, the limits of your human perception, mm-hmm. which is huge. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna, you know, there's a lot of I don't want to say a lot, but and I'm I my coaching is confidential, <laughs> but I've had clients that really support inclusion in the workplace and are super passionate about it. You know, some run the entire programs. And what I've actually, what's been interesting to me is when they take the SQ21 assessment, they end up scoring a little bit lower in the skill of making compassionate and wise decisions than they thought they would. Super interesting when we dive into it. And what usually comes up with that is anger and judgment of the other side. Why don't you understand this? Why don't you understand we are all one? Why can't I get you to understand this inclusiveness idea? And when we work through that, there's there's a lot of breakthroughs that happen. And I think that's what helps bring people together the, and helps people reach out to help others understand that might not, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then we get into, <laughs> we get into, um, I always like to share the Moses code. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but I share it in the workplace with leadership all the time. And it helps you work the skill of the awareness of the interconnectedness of all of life. Uh, There's a theory out there that says that the Bible was misinterpreted and that when God said, I am that I am, he didn't say it that way. And that the comma is, I am that comma, I am. And so an exercise that you can do and I was doing it yesterday in my car and I almost, I get chills and I, I get emotional when I, when I do it. Um, you can, you know, drive down the street and just look at each individual you pass and just say, I am that I am. Oh. And it, it's a, it's a weightlifting. I like to say skill that you can build that helps you recognize that we are all one. Hmm. So I, I hope that answered your question on how it helps well, it with anti-racism. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just think about, so in the pre-pandemic days, um, Kelly and I are in the Philadelphia area and um, I'm outside the city, but would often go into center city for networking events. And there's one particular building and there's always a gentleman outside who is houseless, which is a term that I really love. Um, Mm -hmm. And he always has a dog or a cat. And I am a huge animal lover as is Kelly. We're a very dog friendly podcast. (laughs) Um, And I have cats and I just, I pictured him when you were walking through that exercise Mm -hmm. and just thinking like, and I will say like, I feel like I have been generous, but like how much more generous would we all be if we looked at that person, if we looked at the addicted person, if we looked at the person with a historically underrepresented identity, um, yeah, like how much more generous would we, how much better would companies be? I mean, Kelly, talk to me about the business benefit from companies working that way. <laughs> right. Yeah, I have been uncharacteristically quiet here and I wish this was a video cast because I'm just overwhelmed, like wonderfully overwhelmed mm-hmm. with the fact that we're talking about this today mm-hmm. because this to me, if we think of all of business as a person, right? and not as a corporation, because that's the the legal entity that was given to it so that people could hide behind it. But if we (laughs) think of business as a person, 
right? I think when we were younger, we didn't have these biases as humans, right? You know, you you had your your playground friends and you were out there and life was for many people, you know, good. And you just didn't have a lot of this. And then you grow up and life teaches you all of these things and the, and you have these bad experiences. And I think that way about business, right? It started off as this good thing. We've come together. We, you know, we had this farming community and then we went into trade and then we went into global trade and then it just got big and unwieldy and then things weren't working as well. And now I feel like we're coming back to a true connection of what business intended to be, you know, mm-hmm. creating real value for others in ways that didn't exist before, honoring the people who are doing it, not as a human resource, but as people essential to your success, right? And I just, I'm so hopeful. So you you were not hearing me speak, but hopefully you were feeling my energy around hope and optimism and just gratitude for being able to have this conversation because it's not something that we typically have. We don't talk about spiritual intelligence um, in terms of business, which Mm -hmm. does actually kind of lead me to a question for you also, Amy, which is Mm -hmm. how do businesses approach you for this? I know in some of my preparing for our conversation, I noticed, um, you know, that there's, of course, with the pandemic, but probably before this too, you know, there's this loneliness and isolation that people feel. Is that what businesses come to you for? Do they even know what they like? Do they seek you out? Do you find them? How does this get started? And what types of companies does this work best with? Like what you're hearing on the Doing Good Business podcast? Then you'll love working with Laura or Kelly. Visit doinggoodbusiness.com forward slash the host to learn about them and how their services can help you do good business. It would work with any company that's open to it. Short answer. But, but the way that <laughs> But the way that it sort of organically happened with me is I was doing executive coaching and all of my spiritual practices, you know, a few years ago, I would leave at home and I would be corporate Amy as, as the corporate executive. And then I was sort of a mystic at home and I was splitting myself. Right. So this is going to tie into what everyone needs to, to do in my opinion in the workplace. So, you know, I left my job and I wanted to prove that collaboration and bringing people together and connecting people increases profitability and productivity in the workplace. I plan to leave my job for a year. I used my employees um, to field test my activities for my book. They didn't know it at the time. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the day I decided to leave my job, let me backtrack a little bit. I left my office and I went to grab lunch and I was in a little store and there was a magnet that said leap and the net will appear. So once again, tapping into your higher self, synchronicities in life, making sure you look for symbols and signs. I bought the magnet and I still have it on my refrigerator to this day. So I left, I went to the Executive Coaching Institute at UC Berkeley and I had a very big moment there where they said, you need to bring your full authentic self to whatever space you're in. Hmm. And then corporate mystic went together. I'm like, I am a corporate mystic. (laughs) Right. And the interesting thing about that is I started attracting clients 
And whatever workplace situation we were coaching through was fine. That's that's always no problem. (laughs) But when we get to the real meat of it, the clients that I started attracting were people that want to be their authentic selves in any space in life and really start removing the masks. And that was extremely rewarding work. And so we started using SQ activities, EQ activities through Create Magic at Work. Those are all things that I developed there in my book. Uh, to bring forth that. And so really like (laughs) another interesting note, uh, my office is in a commercial construction company and I've actually done some of these activities with uh, the construction employees here and it's so needed. I almost want to tie this back to Women's History Month and all of those things because we talked a little bit about the systems that we work in mm-hmm. and 100% agree they need to change. We have been working in a system that was created by men for men. Yes. And it's not working anymore. And you can feel the energy bubbling up. You can feel the divine feminine energy coming in. Mm-hmm. And men should be so excited about this. <laughs> Yeah, And I say that because they have been shut down themselves with being able to be vulnerable and courageous with showing up as their full authentic selves in the workplace. And that divine feminine energy is going to help them in so many ways. And everybody's going to be able to be their authentic self one day. I. I believe that as well. And, you know, it's about balance. And Laura and I have talked about that before. And it's the balance of those two energies, right? Because, Mm -hmm. of course, there are benefits to both and drawbacks, (laughs) limiting aspects to both. But, um, excuse me, but I think that we're, we're going to reach that level of equilibrium, then I think will be so, um, transformative to what we'll be able to accomplish in the next several decades. And I'm really excited about that. And I'm wondering, do you have a sense for what not being authentic, what feeling maybe isolated from Mm. others or lonely being yourself? And part of the reason why we started this podcast was because we recognized that people were, you know, the personal development market was so large and people are really working intently on becoming their best selves. And why should you have to leave your best self at the door in order to be successful at work? So, you know, in looking at that, what is the cost to business, maybe in general terms, just for people who feel separated from themselves when they're coming into work or they feel isolated from others because maybe they're working on improving themselves and that's not something that's happening throughout the organization. Is there a way to either quantitatively or qualitatively assess what that's costing companies? Yes, 100%. There's a ton of data out there that you can research and go and find. I typically like to refer to a a Harvard Business Review research article that came out actually pre-COVID that addressed loneliness in the workplace and isolation. And they equated that to the healthcare costs of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so I'm like, wow, I would love to see that study again now since COVID has hit. Right. And I'm wondering what that looks like 
there's there's a lot of data that companies with high empl- high employee engagement are 21% more profitable. The mm-hmm. problem with there, there's a ton out there, right? Um, employees that feel lonely and isolated leave that leave their job within the first four to six months. Mm-hmm. So of course that's a huge cost for losing um, people and then retraining them, etc. Right. But the bigger issue <laughs> is we are still in a system that is focused on financial data and people, and I, and I don't mean to, to, I'm thinking of kind of like the white middle-aged man executive Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying this. Yeah. Because that's, that's who our leaders are for the majority of the workplace right now. And they're more comfortable looking at, profit and loss in regards to maybe sales and cost of goods than they are to looking at the long-term costs of maybe losing someone or having someone stay for a longer period of time at a company. And I I have a quote in my book called the selectively data-driven executive. Ooh, Kelly, (laughs) she takes it. Love it. That's like, (laughs) like next level. Okay, go. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, so I, I mean, we've seen it. The selectively data-driven executive. They sure have. Thank you for giving it a name. (laughs) Yeah. And so what they do is they stick with what they're comfortable with. And really what that is, is they don't know they're, they're afraid to maybe do these connecting activities because they might be vulnerable. And it's because of the way that men have been conditioned in our society as well. And I wrote Create Magic at Work, the book. It's super simple activities. It is not even near diving into like, have you experienced transcendent oneness or you know anything right. like that? It's simple activities that I pictured the golf playing, beer drinking man can grab that has a good heart can grab and mm-hmm. and where can I start? You know, I, I have a good heart. I want to do, I want to connect. I just don't know how. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah. So <laughs> I think that's so true because there, there are so many of them, right. But it was not again, how we were trained to be in business. So we are unlearning behaviors and it sounds like you've got some um, exercises and practices that would help. Do you want to talk about a few of those? Yeah, they're, they're super simple in, in the Create Magic at Work book, their intention setting, but they just add, add a little flair to it. Um, I have an intention setting kit that you write down what you want to bring into your life or maybe your goals for the workplace, and then you light it on fire and it flies up into the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Or there's another one that I almost hesitated putting in the book because it was so simple, but my employees overwhelmingly voted for it. And it was when we had a beach bonfire and we all made s'mores together and every person brought, these are the simple things that you can start with, right? Every person brought their favorite quote or their favorite passage. And we stood around the fire and each person read it out loud and shared why it was important to them. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the employees, that wasn't fancy at all, but they overwhelmingly voted for that. And I realized it was because they were lonely and they felt connection when each person shared that and shared why. And then here we leave that, that team build activity and workplace productivity increases, profits increase because everyone's helping each other out because they see the human in each other. So true. Brene Brown, people are hard to hate close up, but we don't often let ourselves get close enough to recognize that. There you go. Yeah. 
So what are some things that people can do now that we are still, um, not, not, not now, but still working online and Zoom? Are there things that practices that people could start doing right after they listen to this podcast, whether that's on Zoom to kind of create that, that closeness and con- connection using some of the practices that you've developed? Yes. Any of these practices can be used on Zoom. Excellent. Absolutely. I mean, I I go to the easy ones, you know, share a piece of gratitude. Um, I have a membership group. And last month we worked on skill 19 of SQ21, which is making um, compassionate and wise decisions. And the exercise we went through was it only took five to 10 minutes and we closed our eyes and we visualized a person in the workplace that we love working with. And we, and we went through a series of statements like this person is trying to avoid pain, just like me, this person just wants to be loved. And there was a bunch of statements, but then we took it all the way to somebody that we can't stand (laughs) or somebody that we think might seek to harm us. And we just did this compassion exercise. All that stuff was virtual. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait to get in person to do these things. I get that it's more impactful in person, but I say don't wait. And if you're a leader, it's your responsibility to step forward and do these things, to send this ripple effect and leave a positive legacy that isn't just about what your profits say on a piece of paper. So Amy, I'd love to wind up with a success story if you can share one, you know, especially on the heels of those great practices that that Kelly just invited you to share. You know, can you just leave us with a story of, you know, maybe your favorite organization or your favorite leader who adopted some of these things into their regular business practices and what success do they see, you know, monetary or otherwise, because we are firm believers in profit and not profit only. So what were some of the successes that you could share? Oh my gosh. So I have, I have a couple. Yay. (laughs) I have one. So HR leaders really seem to flock to this for some reason, which is interesting to me because I worked in a competitive sales environment and I always was kind of like not wanting to work with HR because we were like the fun people, (laughs) but but it's been so interesting um, that, and it's amazing that HR executives are flocking to this because that's going to really change company culture. Mm-hmm. So I do have one particular uh, company that I work with that they've overhauled their company culture within two to three months using these tools, just these easy activities. It's mm-hmm. it, it really just takes the courage and the vulnerability to try it. And if somebody laughs and thinks it's dumb, well, great. You did a great job as a leader because laughter is a stress reducer. <laughs> oh, that's a good, good shift. I love that. Yeah. And then I have some personal clients, like I mentioned before, really putting yourself in other people's shoes. If I had lived this person's life and had all of the experience that this person had, would I make these same decisions? Mm. And can I have compassion for why they're being this way. I think that brings a lot of healing. And the biggest piece is when leaders step forward to do the inner work themselves. I worked in a lot of companies where leaders would call in people to change the culture, change the organization. You know, we need, we need our culture changed. Well, have you done any inner work yourself as a leader? (laughs) And I've seen a ton of leaders pull in trainings for their organization and they don't even take the training. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. I'm too busy. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, 
you're going to get left behind in this new world Mm -hmm. if you do not step forward and do the inner work. That's what I say. Or you're going to waste your money. I mean, look, hit him where it hurts, right? Like you, this is a waste of your money if you don't lead by example and you just make this a checkbox that you have to put your people through. Right, because people are going to start choosing to work for leaders and organizations where they feel connected, right? recognized, where they feel like they're contributing. Yeah. And so you're just not going to get picked. I agree. So Amy, tell us, is there anything that you are excited about that you have coming up? Where can people find your book? Leave us with all the good stuff. Thank you. I was so passionate about today. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm like, (laughs) I'm in. Um, Awesome. So you can find everything you need at createmagicatwork.net. If you want to be a magic maker, go there. Hmm. (laughs) And if you're interested in SQ21, I would love to help you on that journey. All the information is there as well. So tools, the book, I have a weekly workplace message that I put on LinkedIn from my journal prompt card deck, Mm. where I just pull a card from the deck. That's a message from the universe. And I share it with everyone on LinkedIn. And that's been really fun too. I love that. Awesome. Changing LinkedIn as well at the same time. (laughs) Yes. We are bringing the fun back to LinkedIn. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Amy, so, so much. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another amazing female guest for Women's History Month. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.